Another baseball season as we head into the 2018 Major League Baseball year. This Thursday night, the Cleveland Indians and the Cincinnati Reds on Thursday afternoon will open up the 2018 Major League Baseball season. Hello again, everyone. I'm Dave Mitchell. Glad to have you along this year for another season of the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show here on UltimateSportsTalk.com as we sit back and talk about the Cleveland Indians and the Cincinnati Reds For another season, this one heading into, as I said, the 2018 regular season. The Indians are expected to make the playoffs by most of the pundits out there, but the Reds, well, a lot of people think they're going to finish out of last place this season. But in order to talk about the Reds, we've got to go down south. And this week, we're going to go really down south, almost near the wall where Trump wants to build into Houston and talk to our resident Reds expert, Mark Donahue. Mark, how are you tonight? Well, I'm kind of warm in Houston. It's about 83 degrees, and it puts me in the baseball mood. And, you know, no matter what the forecasters say about a particular team, I don't know if you're this way or not, Dave, but when the Indians are now expected to do well in a particular season, it does not diminish the enthusiasm for the season to start because everybody starts off tied for first place. And who knows what can happen? I mean, there, there are teams that will surprise you every year. And I think there is reason for Reds fans to believe that this could be a year of surprises to some extent. We'll get into that a little later. But uh, I'm ready to go, Dave. I don't know about you. Well, let's clear up one rumor so far that has been brought forward here tonight, that you're in Houston to celebrate the Astros World Series win last year. Yeah, that's why I'm here. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. If you... If you want to go with that story, that's fine with me. Okay. There's a lot of things that we're going to do new this year. We're going to talk to more guests this season. We're going to have more remote locations uh, down here in Cincinnati. We're going to be talking to a lot of people this season. And, of course, this year, Mark, it's a little bit different because the American League Central plays the National League Central. So that means the Reds and the Indians will get an opportunity not just to play four times this year, but they'll play six, but still Major League Baseball in their infinite wisdom has gone right back to we're going to play you guys on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of one week, and then the next month we're going to play you again on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. It just makes no sense whatsoever. Well, obviously the Reds and the Indians to me are not a rivalry outside of Ohio, and you know, candidly, I'm not sure it's that big a rivalry in Ohio. Uh, you know, it's it's something that they made up. How many years is this? The 20th year now for uh, interleague play. Yep. Uh, it's never it's never worked that well, and it never will. It, it's just something that uh, I, I don't know. I don't know where the idea is that this is a good idea. I, I don't know who is the proponent of this. I maybe somebody smarter than me can explain it, but it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense right now. Well, you know, they took care of one mistake that. Bud Selig made as commissioner of baseball. They got rid of that stupid rule that made the All-Star game, the the victor of the All-Star game, or the league victor of the All-Star game, would host the World Series. They got rid of that. That You could think that they would get rid of this stupid, crazy thing. Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I, I think it, it diminishes the, the World Series because if there's too much familiarity with the other teams, uh, it, it just takes away from the the exclusiveness of playing the other league. I don't understand why people don't see that, particularly at the major league level. Well, this year we're also going to have the return of Ask Us. We didn't do that last year, and this year we're going to do it. And a matter of fact, Mark, we've already gotten a couple of questions that people want to ask. We'll do that in the second half hour of tonight's show. But let's lead off the show with the thing that really headlined the Cleveland-Cincinnati baseball scene during the offseason. And that is Chief Wahoo will be gone from the Cleveland Indians' uniform, their team, their logo. You will not see Chief Wahoo ever again as part of the Cleveland Indians after this season. It is amazing to me, Mark, and I'm just going to come right out and say this, what the power of 10 people can do to get rid of a logo of a Major League Baseball team. And that is all it was, 10 people. 
it'd be interesting actually to interview those people. Uh, I'm sure they won't come on the air, but I'd like to know, and I wouldn't be making fun of them. I wouldn't be, uh, you know, espousing my beliefs on this issue, but I'd really like to know how something that has been around since when, 1910 or whatever it was, has suddenly become so offensive that these people who were not even born when, when the logo was introduced uh, are now so upset about something that I, I don't understand what, what is so offensive about it. I, I can understand maybe redskins would be, be more offensive because that's a derogatory term, but the logo itself doesn't seem to be offensive to me, and maybe I'm, I'm not being sensitive enough. I, I'd like to have somebody explain it to me. The big question that I would ask them is what? You've never seen a smiling Indian? That is the question that I would, and that may be derogatory. I'm sorry if it is, but that's the major question. I agree with you. There is nothing wrong with the Chief Wahoo logo. Absolutely nothing, well, in, in my in my opinion. But why didn't the Indians get a little creative and redraw it? The Reds have redrawn Mr. Red several times over the course of the of the team. If you know, and if that were offensive, they they've redrawn it. You know, why couldn't somebody have a see the 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 nickel on the in, or the uh, the Indian on the nickel? I don't right. think anybody finds that offensive, and maybe that could have been uh, you know a, a different a different kind of Indian, but still Chief Wahoo. I, I don't understand why somebody. Did, you know, my idea about the, you know, remember the Miami Redskins, I said, don't change the name and make the, make the, uh, make it a potato. <laughs> An Indian make it a potato, a Redskin potato. And nobody thought that was very clever, but I did. Anyway, I, it'd be kind of interesting to, to get a take on, on that from somebody. I, it, it's beyond me. Well, you won't get a take on it because those 10 people that normally would protest the Indians opening game which is going to be coming up a week from this Friday in Cleveland won't be there anymore because they've already won their case they've got Chief Wahoo gone so why bother to come out in the cold weather and protest with 10 people it doesn't matter Rob Manfred basically the commissioner of baseball Mark held the 2019 all-star game over the Indians heads to get rid of Chief Wahoo now my question is what are you going to do about the Atlanta Braves well, here's the other thing, though, Dave. Think about all the gear that in, the Indians can now sell with the new logo. Have they come up with a new logo? Yeah, it's going to be that block crazy C. But, but but there'll be no mascot? No. Okay. No, it'll just be the block C. You know, Just I, like the Reds have and the Cubs have. Correct. Yeah, well, theirs is the curved C. The Indians are going to be that block C type of deal. Matter of fact, Jim Tomey, who's getting inducted into the Hall of Fame this year, has already said that's the hat he's going to wear into the Hall of Fame as the Block C, even though he wore the Chief Wahoo logo for his entire career as an Indians player. He never once wore the Block C. Now, what well, I've got... The players... Go ahead. The players are caught between a rock and a hard place. They can't say anything that would, you know, quote-unquote offend anybody. But it's... Uh... You know, it's kind of strange. It baffles me, but uh, I'd rather talk about the moves the Indians made this year because I think this is the year the Indians are going to do it. You actually took the words right out of my mouth because the other comment that I wanted to get your opinion on before we move into specifics about what both teams did, I know during the winter when you and I talked, you were extremely upset about the fact that the Reds did not make any moves during the offseason. Yeah, and, they, you know, I was looking at the statistics, Dave, and, and the Reds, I believe, were fourth in home runs last year and, and sixth or seventh in runs scored. Uh, they had a high on base percentage. I mean, that, that their lineup, I would put their lineup against just about any team in baseball. I mean, they have, they have a powerful lineup. lineup they, is, there's a chance this team could hit 240, 250 home runs this year. I mean, that's you, there's no easy out, and that's – that's losing Cozart. They hit 20 home runs last year. So they have a chance to, to really score a lot of runs, and you would think that somebody would say, you know what, maybe our year is a year ahead of time or maybe two years ahead of time 
if they had gone out and signed, as an example, they could have signed Arietta. They could have signed Cobb. Now, those, I think Arietta signed for $25 million for, for three years, but that's about what Bailey's making. And if they'd have brought Arietta in and, and, and shore up the bullpen a little bit, this team could win 85 games, 88 games this year. But I don't, what I don't understand is what is the strategy? Because they have lost, their, their attendance went down for the fourth consecutive year. If they get off to a bad start this year, this could be a, a very scary situation in Cincinnati because you're losing, it'll be five years in a row, and you're losing almost a generation of people, of, of fans. It, they quit caring. It's not they get mad. They still care. And that's the kiss of death for a team. And it, look at the Indians when you know when they were down after they were up for a long time. Then they went down. It took a long time to climb back up that ladder. So I, I don't understand just the business part of it, that when you lose 90, 95 games a year for four consecutive years, how many hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue have you lost over that period of time in TV revenues and radio revenues and concessions and parking and tickets over four years. It's a lot of money and they are, they are rolling the dice because if they don't win this year, Dave, this, this organization could, could run out of fans over the next four or five years. Well, Mark, the general consensus is that the Cleveland Indians will win the central division but they're not expected to do anything in the playoffs. If you look at what most of the pundits are saying, they're sticking with the Astros, who many think have the best starting rotation in baseball. I don't think that's the case. They're thinking the New York Yankees, who you know over over the off season, you know picked up some major major lumber in Giancarlo Stanton out of out of Miami, and they've got Aaron Judge. And Mark, to be honest with you about the about the Yankees. There are two things that bother me about them before we get into the Indians. Because everybody's talking about the Yankees. That it's a foregone conclusion that they're going to win the American League. That, that's what everybody seems to think. First of all, you give pitching coaches around baseball an opportunity to look at film of Aaron, Aaron Judge during the offseason. They're going to find a weakness in his swing. This kid is 6'7", 260 pounds, he does not have a short swing, does he, Mark? He's got one of those long swings. That's right. And you, when you've got a long swing, you and I both know it's easy to find windows of opportunity there if you're a pitcher. You know, it reminds me, I was reading something, I think, in a Sunday's paper. They had a Major League Baseball preview, and they were talking about this very issue you brought up. And it reminded me a couple of years ago when the Angels put together this supposed all-star team offensively and where did they finish in well in fourth i think yeah i mean they're at the bottom of the division and you cannot win with just offense now the yankees have a decent pitching staff but i i'm gonna go back to something you just said if who does have the best pitching staff in baseball you know the astros don't well you know i I, i've got to say that they're, why do people, first of all, why do people think Toronto does? I mean, I'm looking at, at what, what they're saying as far as the best pitching staffs in baseball. They're talking about the Mets. They're talking about the Astros. They talk about the Indians. They talk about the Yankees. They talk about the Blue Jays. They talk about Boston. Boston, I'm going to tell you right now, may be the most, and, and this is kind of going to tip off our preview show for next week, our prediction show. I think Boston may be the most overrated team. And the reason I say that is you've got Chris Sale and David Price. When is the last time the Red Sox won anything with their ace being a left-hander? And I'm talking about in their history. No, it's been a while. And that, that ballpark does not play well for left-hand pitching, that's for sure. But if you look at the teams you mentioned, I still think the Astros have the best pitching staff. I don't know a team that's better. I mean, if I had to pick a pitching staff to build around the Reds, I'd pick the Astros staff, including their bullpen. Mm-hmm. That, I think, for, you know, 1 to 12 or 1 to 13, I think that's the toughest pitching staff in baseball. And they, they play in a fan box, too. But 
that pitching staff induces a lot of ground balls. That's why they're successful down there. And if the if the Yankees can just have, I, I'm really surprised the Yankees didn't do more on, on the uh, pitching side. I am too. They could have gone out and got Arietta, and then I would have said, yeah, you're going to win 110 games this year. But uh, there's no shoe in anymore, Dave. I mean, there's just no team. There's so much opportunity for these teams to, to score a lot of runs now that it's it's hard to, you know, it's hard to pinpoint who has a slam dunk chance of, of winning. I don't think Houston is a shoe in to win. Uh, I think they're they're good. They had good pitching, but it's awfully hard to repeat. It really is hard to repeat. Oh yeah, yeah. And as far as the Indians are concerned, Mark, they're going to live and die this season with their starting rotation. That starting rotation is going to be Corey Kluber, Carlos Carrasco, Trevor Bauer, Josh Tomlin, Mike Clevenger. Ryan Merritt could sneak in there. He'd be the only left-handed starter in the rotation. Danny Salazar, for some reason over the last two years, has just become injury-prone. You can't even talk about him in the starting rotation right now. But when you look at that rotation that the Indians have, Mark, they were responsible for 81% of the Indians' wins a year ago. That's an astronomical amount, 81% for one starting rotation. Well, that's because they can go deeper into games with no DH, and you know, the guys have a chance to win more often. You're not going to see that in the National League. Well, that's true. That's true. I'll tell you a team that I think is going to be improved, though, is the New York Mets. I really think that that team, that starting rotation, with Mickey Calloway going over there from the Indians as their pitching coach to being the Mets manager, I think he's going to do wonders with that pitching staff. Well, it's yeah, but remember last year we're saying the same thing, but everybody got hurt, and uh, you know, Syndergaard should be back this year. He's a stud. But, you know, I, I look back on 2017, and one of the dumbest statements ever uttered is what Syndergaard said. <laughs> Before the season, he said he wants to strike out every batter he faces. He throws as hard as he can every pitch. And what's he do? He blows out his arm. Yeah, in May. <laughs> in yeah. May, yeah. Go ahead and do oh. that. Michael Brantley, well, he came back the last week of spring training, Mark, and they've decided that he is not going to be ready for the regular season. They're going to put him on the 10-day DL. They're going to keep Tyler Naquin, who was two years ago, the third-place runner-up, I guess you could say, for Rookie of the Year, and last week fell off the earth as far as the Indians were concerned. But Brantley, if he can move back into that left field spot, it's going to solidify a lineup for the Indians that they really need to get going and not so much determine what their pitching staff is going to do for this season. And Rajay Davis is back. Taking a one-year sabbatical going to Oakland, he's back with the Indians now. Yeah, that's that's a really good team. You look at the Indians objectively, and I'm, I'm an Indian fan, obviously, but uh, you, you know, you, there's no weakness in that lineup either. I mean, you, you got to go through it's like a minefield uh, to, to get through there. And if that pitching comes through, I, you know, people look back too much, I think, in terms of what can happen in the playoffs and so on. You know, the Indians were a couple outs away, you know, from from being a world champion, and it, it's. Houston to me is a you got to show me again. Cleveland's been good for three or four consecutive years. They haven't won the World Series. That, you can't hold that out as the only criteria for success. The Indians are a really, really good baseball team. And if I had to put a you know my money on it, I'd, I'd pick the Indians to win it. I really would. I think they're I think they're a better team than Houston. Uh, Houston's pitching is a little better, but that rotation you just rattled off is a damn good rotation and I think offensively you know Houston really came to the fore last year offensively they they just what they scored 900 runs or something like that something like that yeah I, yeah I don't know that's going to happen again only because of what you just said that over the offseason I guarantee you American League Central teams went to school on that lineup Okay, what worked, what didn't work, mm -hmm. and it's again, it's awfully hard to repeat. But again, I don't want to give away our show next week. But <laughs> I, I don't, I don't pencil in Houston to repeat. Mark, here's your first trivia question of the year. Oh no! Over the last five seasons, what team has won the most games? Cleveland. 
You got it. Yep. Without it. Okay, here, here's a trivia question. What team has lost in most games? I think it's the Reds. You're right. Yeah, I, I, I believe. Yeah. I believe. Before we get to the Reds, I want to ask you about one former Red that's now with the Indians. Talk to me about Yonder Alonso. Well, he's a different player now. You know, there, there's this thing going on with, with hitting coaches. And they are teaching now the uppercut swing. And it is a swing that it's really based on a different weight change. When you, when you step, he's left-handed, and when you step into the ball, he was a line drive hitter. So he, he was, it sounds counterintuitive, but when you swing up on the ball, uh, you're going to get more, you're going to get more drive. You're going to get more height and, and more hit more home runs if you, if you, if you make solid contact. But there, there's a big difference on hitting on the upper half of the ball or the lower half of the ball. And, and that sounds silly, but it is a big difference. Mm-hmm. Because if you square the ball up every time, you know, when Joey Votto hits a home run, he seldom hits these towering shots. He hits line drives, and they're, they're like rocket ships. And he, the way he can do that is he's so strong. He's one of the strongest guys in baseball. But um, Yonder Alonso was a line drive hitter a gap hitter, and at one time everybody thought he was going to win a batting title. But he, he's a strong guy too, and he worked out with A. Rod and all that when he was down in Florida. But they've changed his swing, and last year I think when he played for Oakland last year, yes, uh, he, he changed his swing. And if you look at what his swing was last year as opposed to four or five years ago, it's entirely different. And he is now getting height. He's getting depth. And he's strong enough. He's hitting a lot of home runs. I think he hit 24, 25 home runs last year. And it wouldn't surprise me this guy hits 35 home runs this year. Mark, I know you can't take spring training into any consideration, but Alonzo led the team in home runs in spring training with seven and also drove in 14 runs, tied for the team lead with Jan Gomes during spring training. I I know you can't take that into consideration, but I'm going to ask it this way. How much consideration can you take into that? Well, I did not know that. <laughs> I did not. I did not look that up. But when I saw him last year, I had seen him coming up as a Reds rookie, and, and he had he was a line drive hitter, and, and he hit off his front foot a lot, which is is okay for driving the ball, hitting line drives, but it didn't give you a lot of you couldn't pull a lot. Mm-hmm. But now he's hitting off his back foot, which you know it, it's it's hard to explain on radio, but. It's the it's the way you you make contact with the ball when your weight is back. And if you, if you want to look at, at somebody like Mickey Mantle, who was a, just a tremendous power hitter, he always had his weight on his back foot when, when he hit in the swing. You know, he, he just just take a look at his swing. So that's where the power comes from. And they changed his swing. I, I don't know who the hitting coach was, but they they really revamped it. And he hit for he hit for average too. So. When I heard the Indians signed him, I thought that was a great deal. But I, are you going to DH him, or where, where's he going to play? He's going to switch in between. He's going to rotate with Encarnacion between first base and DH. They'll just rotate those guys. That's good. I mean, I think that's a great combination. And I mean, that, between those two guys, honest to God, Dave, you can have 70 home runs. Mark, about the Reds. Their rotation this year, their starting pitching rotation, has got to be better than it was last year. Well, that's only because it can't be worse. You can't have a worse. You had the worst rotation in baseball last year, and it wasn't close. Now, the year before, in 2016, the ERA was a bit better, but they gave up a record number of home runs. So the last two years has been pathetic. And one of the things, you know, it's just been gnawing on me all year. The Reds have needed starting pitching for a long time. Who's the best arm in that organization? In the Reds organization? Yeah. Well, initially I would think Michael Lorenzen, but actually I'm probably going to say Hunter Green. No, it, it's Rocio Iglesias. Okay. He's, 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 and he's the only guy that I think could make the Indians rotation, or at least make the you know the pitching staff. He's that good. He had a 2.12 ERA, and that's, it, it would have been well under one in one game. He gave up like seven runs. Mm-hmm. For, for a Libra, that's a kiss of death, but... Uh, this guy has the best arm in the organization. He, he at one time he wanted to start, 
They're doing the same thing with him they did with Chapman. Had Chapman been a starter, the Reds would have won the World Series a couple times. But they, did, they didn't make him a starter. They made him put him in the bullpen. If you're going to lose 100 games, who cares who your starter, who, who your closer is? It doesn't make any sense. They should have made a, a Iglesias a starter two or three years ago and not given him a chance to debate the issue. They had him on a seven-year contract. So now they, they have a great closer, but when you're behind every game going into the seventh, eighth, or ninth game, who cares? It doesn't make any sense. And this is the kind of thing that, as a fan, drives me insane. There, there is, I don't care what they say, there's no rationale for this. And, yeah, he, he's, a, he's a strong guy now. When he first came up, they were afraid maybe of hurting his arm. But I've, I've started and I've relieved. And starting, it, it to me, was less strain on my arm because you weren't going 100% every every pitch. When you come out of the bullpen, you're throwing hard. And I think he was in, what, 60, 70 games last year. That, that's a lot of stress on the arm, too. So it's the frustration that I think most baseball people would look at this and say, what are the Reds doing? Do they have a plan? Because I... This team could have won this year, Dave. They maybe not won the division, but they could have played winning baseball had they gone out and got one more starting pitcher. And they just didn't do it. So to me, they are making the calculus that we would rather save money and not sign a, a, a starting pitcher that can give us 200 innings and win 15, 16 games because that's what an Arietta or a Cobb could have done. And that, I think, would have made the Reds very competitive this year. Mark Homer Bailey, what is his health like? And he's been named the opening day starter. Did he deserve it? Yeah, I, I think relative to the fact that they lost three potential starters <clears throat> during spring training, as they always do, <laughs> uh, he, he was not. He was kind of by default the guy you go to. But David, he is not. He's never been the pitcher everybody thought he was going to be. Uh, he pitched two no-hitters, but if he hadn't pitched those two no-hitters, this would have been one of the worst signings in the history of the Reds. It still might be. Uh, he, he still might be. I mean, he, he's, I think he's around 500 as a pitcher. Now, he's not more than two or three games over or under, but if he's your ace, uh, it, it doesn't make any sense that this guy was given that kind of contract, but uh, you know, he's he is what he is, and you made a comment last year. You thought he had to go to the bullpen and come in as a closer. I'd rather have Iglesias start and Bailey come in and close. Uh, Bailey could throw hard for one or two innings, but uh, I hope I'm wrong. Uh, I think he's going to have, at best, at best, a 500 season. Uh, he probably won't last the season. I think he'll be hurt sometime in May or June. And here we go again. Homer Bailey, 66 wins in his career, 63 defeats with a 4.42 ERA. He's started 192 games. Mark, he's never come out of the bullpen, never in his major league career. I know, and and you, you, those numbers, again, I was kind of guessing there, but uh, I knew he was barely above 500 uh, a couple of years ago, so that does surprise me. But what really does surprise me is this is your best pitcher, He's got a 4.42 ERA, and they gave him $100 million or $120 million. Are you insane? <laughs> that, that's, it's, that makes no sense at all, and it didn't make any sense when they did it. They, they had a choice. They could have say, they could have signed Quato, uh, or they could have signed Bailey, and they picked Bailey. And I, this, I just don't understand. I've been around baseball for a long time, and you look at decisions like that, and there's, what were they looking at? Is there something I didn't see? And Cueto wanted to stay in Cincinnati. Yeah, and, and the, the other thing is that one of the most disagreeable guys in that clubhouse is Homer Bailey. Nobody likes the guy. He, he's, he's terrible with reporters. He's, he, he's not a PR guy at all. And so the Reds give him 120, whatever it was, it was over 100 million bucks. Uh, for what? I, I don't understand what they were thinking. The best thing you could say about Homer Bailey is he could be the stuntman for Christian Bale. He looks yeah, just like that's him. that's true. Yeah. He does. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Anthony Disclafani, another injury. 
He missed practically the entire season a year ago, and now he's got another injury. Dave, he missed almost the entire season the year before. Yeah. So this is, You're right. And, he's, and I heard today that he may not be back till May or June. Oh, boy. I mean, it's just, it's what is this guy doing during the offseason? Are, are they lifting too many weights? Uh, you know, what's what's going on with that? That that injury seems to me to be more pronounced now than I've ever heard it. Mark, and let me, just, let me interrupt you just for a quick second. And I'm trying to think. I'm racking my brain right now. Tell me one overweight pitcher other than C.C. Sabathia in Major League Baseball today. Yeah, you're right. You know, they, they they're all slender and they they they're addicted to the weight machines. Yeah. And have you ever heard of more lat injuries in the last three or four years? That that was an injury I never even heard of yeah. for forty years. Yeah, and, you know, Sabathia's had injury problems, but they've been mainly with his legs. It hasn't been with his arm. Mickey Lolich never had an arm problem. Never had an arm problem. And he was as overweight as you could get going out on and the mound. Guys, and they were on a four-man rotation, not a five-man rotation. Yeah. You know, it just dawned on me. I can't think of any overweight pitchers right now other than Sabathia. He's, Remember he, Don Newcomb? And, and Sam McDowell, Don Newcomb, all oh. those guys were big guys. Sam McDowell. They, yeah, I mean, they they, they weren't doing weights back then. I mean, I remember, I remember when I was pitching, I remember the, our coaches say, stay away from the weights on your arm. You're going to hurt your, you're going to hurt your joints. You're going to hurt yeah. all of stuff. I mean, they would give you arm exercises to do to build your arm strength. But I mean, a guy like uh, Di Scafani. Uh, you can tell by the way he throws and, and his body type, he's been pounding the weights. And I, it obviously has not worked for him. He's been injured three years in a row now, and he's, he's been, it's been a waste. Mickey, they, they... Mickey, Mickey Lolich and uh, uh, you just, oh, you just named him, the, oh, uh, Sam McDowell. Mickey Lolich and yeah. Sam McDowell both had the same training regimen, a six-pack and 25 warm-up pitches, and let me go out to the mound. Yeah, they're probably smoking cigarettes, you know, <laughs> in the dugout, you know, the dugout. Uh, it's a different game now, and I'm not saying it's wrong now because there's a lot of good pitchers. But look at look at Arietta. He looks like you know he could be lifting weights. Uh, he he is lifting weights. He's he's an avid weightlifter. Some guys, I guess, can tolerate it. But the other thing that you, you don't hear about these guys seem to think when they have a some soreness that they need to go on the DL for a month, and I you can't measure somebody's pain, but I, I can measure the number of guys that used to go on the DL back, you know, back the 50s, 60s, 70s, and even the 80s. Man, if you went on the DL, you lost your job, and that's that's not the case anymore. And this this pitch count stuff, it just it just drives me insane. Yeah, just ask Wally Pibb. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, all right, Zach Cozart gone to the Angels. He's going to play third base with the Angels. What's the shortstop situation for the Reds now? Well, it's going to be Peraza. Uh, they brought in Pennington, who was with the Angels uh, last year, I guess. Uh, he's, he's a good, decent, he's made the team. Uh, he's a good backup. But, you know, Peraza, I think he'll hit okay. He'll probably hit seven, eight, nine home runs. And he might even hit 280, 290. But his defense, I think, again, I'm guessing here, I think he made six or seven errors in spring training. And he wasn't playing every inning. Uh, this guy is not going to be a good shortstop. He doesn't have the arm for it. And what he does, Dave, because he doesn't have the arm to play short, he compensates. He cheats in, and the balls get by him. And he, he's just not the, he's not the Cozart shortstop who... He wasn't spectacular, but he made every play. This guy's not going to make every play. He's going to make. He's going to bundle, you know, screw up a bunch of easy ground balls this year. And with this pitching staff, that's a kiss of death. How close was it that for Nick Senzel to make the team? Uh, I, I don't think it was very close at all. Uh, I think maybe not from much a, a talent perspective, but he's not a shortstop either. 
And what, what I think the Reds would probably do next year is get rid of Scooter Jeanette if, you know, his trade value continues to, to rise and bring in a legitimate shortstop and then put Sinzel at, at, at second base. I think it's, that, that's going to be his position because they just signed Suarez to a seven-year deal. Uh, he's not going anywhere. And I, I think he's going to turn into one of the better third basemen in baseball. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Ben Revere. 285 career hitter, Mark. Nobody on the in Major League Baseball wanted this guy. He's a legitimate leadoff man with speed and plays great center field. He's with the Reds now, but they've got a guy named Billy Hamilton right there in center field. What does that mean for Revere? Well, I think they released Revere yesterday. Oh, they uh, did. That's what I heard. Yeah, I thought they I thought they released released him, and he he went back to the free agent market. I think. Now, I didn't. I, I saw that. I was driving down. And I heard the tail end of that. Uh, you might want to check it you know, on your computer there. But I, I thought they, they released Revere. I'm not sure. Yep, he was released by the Reds. I didn't see that either. That was one of the things that uh, skipped by me down here also. He went 3 well, for 24 had, at the plate in spring. Yeah, I was just going to say that when you hit 125, that's um, – you know, they're, they're going with Hamilton. But I, I'm going to make a prediction that the outfield – after like May 15th or maybe June 1st, it's not going to include Billy Hamilton. You're going to have Shevler in center field. He's going to hit 35 home runs. They're going to have Winker in right, and you're going to have Duvall in left, and that's going to be it. And then Billy Hamilton will come in to pinch run. And think about it. If he came in to pinch run every game and stole a base, the guy could steal 100 bases <laughs> just doing that. And that's, that's like 100 doubles. <laughs> yeah. So and, and they he can play late any defense, uh, strategically pinch run. He can pinch hit. That's the role for him. He he is not an everyday player, but he can be a very very effective pinch player. All right, two more questions about the Reds before we get into some other things here on the initial show of the Ohio Baseball Weekly program here on UltimateSportsTalk.com. Can Joey Votto have another year this year like he did last year? I think Jerry Votto is going to win the MVP this year, uh, unless he gets hurt. He's what, but three more guy, votes than he'd have had it last year? I know, two more. Two more. Even. Well, yeah, two more. He's tied for it. But, yeah. Uh, he, to me, is the best hitter in baseball. When you combine power on base percentage, he only struck out like 50 times last year, Dave. Mm-hmm. It's, it's astonishing. He walked, what, 125 times, something like that? That is unbelievable. How much, how disciplined he is, and he's he's crazy. This guy is so maniacal about hitting. They said he, he swings about every day of his life, off season, and, and he's always, you know, right. His swing is perfect. They, they had a, I guess it was during the, the the voting for the MVP. They had his swing on camera, and they have like a hundred swings of Joey Votto, real rapid, like three per second. It never varies. <laughs> it never varies. And he can hit a home run to left field. He can pull one. He can hit it to center field. But you can't, if he doesn't want to get out, he won't get out. He'll, he'll foul off seven or eight pitches and hit a, hit a ball 425 feet. Right now, he, he is the best hitter we've seen in baseball for a while. I think he's going to have an even better year this year. He's getting, what's happening to Votto is he's getting that kind of strength that only comes with maturing. And where it's easy strength, he's just he's just a really strong, strong guy. And now, when you have contact hitter like that, who's getting stronger by the year, he's going to hit more home runs. So I think he's going to have a really good year, and uh, that's why I hate to see this talent wasted on a team that you know could lose another ninety games this year. Mark, the best hitters in baseball throughout history have had weird swings. Ted Williams swing. Although they call it a, a sweet swing, he had some hitches in it. You've got Stan Musial that looked like he was uncoiling. Uh, you've got Roberto Clemente that basically he could hit any pitch, anytime, anywhere, even if it bounced in front of the plate. He could have different batting stances and everything. Joey Votto's got the straight right elbow swing. He never bends that elbow. No, and the thing about Votto is his, his eyesight. Uh, he can, he can, he's like Pete Rose. But he's, he's stronger than Pete. But he has that choke up. You can't get a pitch by him. 
And if you make a mistake on him, he'll hit a home run. And that that's just the way it is. He'll either hit the wall or hit it over the wall. That's why he gets so many walks, because nobody they know they can't get it by him. You can't get a fastball by him. But because he chokes up, he can he can catch up on the on the slider. He come down and in. He'll he'll go he'll go to the left field on the pitch down and in. <laughs> that's how that's how good he is. So yeah, I, I think he's going to have a great year. And I, I've always you know I've always been a a, a Votto fan. And I, I think it, now his he's getting the recognition that I'm, I'm I'm glad to see. Mark, okay, first time, first show. Let's go ahead and ask the question. Will Brian Price make it through the season? I don't think so. You think he'll be gone right. before when? Yeah. I, well, I think the Reds, they, they have a really tough schedule, but you open in half. They open up in Washington uh, the first three games, and I, I, I don't remember it per game now, but I'm, I know that April was a tough month for them. And if they get off to a slow start and they're 10 games uh, under 500 going into May or you know, even June, uh, I, I think it's time to pull the plug. You, you just can't have the, the culture of this team with some of these young players. Losing becomes embedded in you. And I think they need somebody to come in and kick some butt. And that's not him. Uh, I think he, he's a nurturing guy. That's terrific. But when winning becomes indigenous to your culture, uh, that is, that, that's tough to break. And that's what's happening to the Reds right now. Would Jim Lindemann be the man to take his place? No. Uh, I think they may need to, to bring in somebody who's more of a firebrand. Um, Out, I don't know who that is. Outside of the organization? I, I would think so, unless there's uh, you know somebody in, in the lower minors that uh, the name escapes me. I, I don't think they have that kind of talent. Um, and, and they're not going to go get a big name. They, they, they won't pay, pay the money for that. But you know, there's there's a lot of great baseball minds out there. But the, the, uh, Price, who I like, he, he's a good pitching coach, but he's not been able to overcome uh, the, the pitching problems on this team. And I, I, I'm not saying it's his fault, but you've got to, when you lose every year, you've got to make a change. You've got to do it for the fans, and you got to do it for the players. Bring in something else, and that's an answer to your question. Number one, I think your Reds are getting off to a bad start. I hope I'm wrong. Because, you know, it's when you're a Reds fan and you're, you're 10 games under 500 in, you know, on May 19th, it's a long summer. It's going <laughs> to really be a so, long summer. So I, I hope the Reds do well. But if they don't, they can't keep price, uh, you know, beyond uh, midseason. I don't think they will. Right. A couple of items for the Indians before we get into the Ask Us segment for tonight. Mark Andrew Miller is in his last year of his contract, but he finally came out before spring training. Actually, it was the first week of spring training, and said he would love to stay with the Indians. If they can come to some sort of a deal, he would love to stay with the Indians. This guy's making $9 million a year. What is Andrew Miller worth on the open market? No, God. Well, that's the thing with relievers. Uh, you, you're not going to get top dollar as a reliever, but you know, at one time, Andrew Miller was a starter. Yeah. Back with Baltimore, I think he was a starter. And but to me, his his motion to me is the most difficult one to figure out in baseball. He'd be the last guy in all of baseball that I think any hitter would want to face in a tough. You know, game on the line situation because God, he, he just he throws like he's stuck in a phone booth and and still can, can throw the ball. He, he, I think he's really tough. And one other note about the Indians: Terry Francona, their manager, of course. I think he's one of the best managers in baseball, if not the best manager in baseball. Mark, I just looked it up this afternoon. He's under contract with the Indians through the 2020 season, three more years. He is under contract with the Indians, so they're in good shape as far as their manager is concerned. But in case you didn't know, Francona lost his father, Tito, just before spring training. Matter of fact, it was the day before the Indians opened spring training out in Goodyear, Arizona, and he and his father were extremely tight. So this had to be a tough spring training for him. Yeah, I re- you know it's it's sad, not sad. Uh, I remember Tito Francona. 
playing okay. <laughs> uh, years ago. So it's it's always tough when you lose somebody like that. But Tito had to be in his eighties, so uh, he you know he had a pretty good run. But uh, it's always tough when you lose somebody you're close to like that. Mark, let's get into our Ask Us segment, which we didn't do last year, but we're going to bring it back this year. If you've got a question to ask Mark or I about the Reds or the Indians, feel free to give me an email shout, and that would be at dmitch at ultimatesportstalk.com. dmitch at ultimatesportstalk.com, or you can hit me up on Facebook, and we'll be glad to answer your question. Tonight's question is really a three-parter. It comes from... Dr. Rob Rickenbaugh down here in Cincinnati, Mark. He wants to know about Hunter Green. Now, Hunter Green was a number one draft pick of the Reds. He wants to know if the Reds are going to rush him into service, first of all. No, I think it'd be the last thing you're going to do, particularly with a, with a team like the one they have now. Uh, Hunter Green is probably three or four years away. So, Dr., be patient. Uh, this guy has a once-in-a-lifetime talent, and uh, he, you know this kid was 17 years old throwing 102 miles an hour. Uh, that I've never heard of that, and I'm sure there are some guys that have done it. But he, the, the thing I like about him, his body. Uh, th- this kid's strong; he's going to be getting stronger. And I, I don't think the Reds would take a chance on on, on rushing him at all. Uh, he, he, he'll probably go to, to single A this year uh, if he were to set the world on fire, which I, I'm not expecting he will. But if he did, they might get him up to uh, advanced A ball this year. But I don't think he'll – he won't come to the Reds, I don't think, even to spring training, uh, maybe until 20 or 21. So you're going to have to be patient. Um, and if – the last thing you want to do is rush an arm like that when you don't need him because he's not going to help. Um, you know, his, people forget his first outing last year. In fact, one, I think he only had two outings. He got lit up. I think he gave up six or seven runs the first time out. So he, he's, I don't care how good the arm is. Uh, these kids can hit. <laughs> so uh, you got to do more than throw hard. Are they going to take a lesson from what they've done with Homer Bailey and make sure – how they use green and and maybe not do the same things that they did with Bailey uh, as far as well, green is concerned. There, there's a there's just a light years of difference between the personalities of Homer Bailey and, and, and Hunter Green. Uh, you couldn't tell Homer Bailey anything, and he was very tough to coach and very frustrating for the coaching staff. Hunter Green is just the opposite. This guy, uh, this guy, I've heard him talk or not, but he's very articulate. He's very smart. He had great parenting. Uh, he listens. He works hard. Uh, he, I think, he's going to be the real deal. Uh, and he, but, but it's the attitude. He just is a is a great kid, and I think that's why the Reds signed him. And aside from the, the great physical talent, uh, he's he's got the whole package. So they're not going to rush him. This is too valuable a commodity, and you know he's going to be part of that next great Reds team, wherever that is. But. It was Sinzel and Green and some other guys, just Taylor Trammell. Um, you know, they, they've got some talent in the minors that will come to fruition in the next two or three years. And that's where Hunter Green is going to step in and probably be the ace of the staff. What about him playing the outfield? Is that a dead issue now? Oh, yeah. And that's a dead issue. They're not going to do that. Um, again, you don't want to risk a guy who, you know, you come in for a ground ball, you throw it really hard to second base, and you just ruin the kid's arm. Uh, but that, that, they're not going to risk that. So, and I don't, you know, he only hit 324, so it's not like in high school ball. So uh, they're not going to, I don't see him as a, an everyday player. He might, but uh, that, that's not going to happen either. So that'll do it for our Ask Us segment tonight. If you've got any questions that you want to ask Mark or I about anything in Major League Baseball, or more specifically the Reds or the Indians, just give me a shout-out at dmitch at ultimatesportstalk.com, or you can hit me up on Facebook with your questions. Let's go into some other baseball notes, Mark. And, of course, as we talked about Hunter Green maybe playing the outfield, it gives us an opportunity to talk about Shohai Otani, who is the Japanese professional baseball pitcher and designated hitter for the Los Angeles Angels. They have sent him down, but... The experiment of him pitching and hitting 
appears to be somewhat successful. What have you heard? Yeah, I know he hit up pretty hard uh, his, his last outing. Um, I, I don't know that, how that was compared to the rest of the spring. But I saw the guy hit, and he's got a good swing, and, and he's he's older. Uh, was he 22, 23? He's 23, right. Uh, yeah, so he, he's got more, you know, he's got five years on Hunter Green. So clearly he's much closer to the big leagues than Hunter is. Uh, I, I don't know that the, that the Angels are going to risk a pitching prospect to try and uh, make him a hitting prospect. And the, the, the thing you do to, to make the kid make the decision himself is let him go out there and hit 160 for a year and strike out you know nine times in a row against some of these pitchers. And that, that may make him want to just focus on pitching. But a pitcher can make more money than a hitter unless you're at the very top of the game. You know, pitching is, is a more valuable commodity. And I think somebody will whisper in this kid's ear, hey, focus on pitching and you make a lot more dough. Who had the best offseason? What team? Well, it's a good question. You know, what the Indians did on some of their pieces they brought in, you got they, they turned a really good team into an even better team. Uh, so I think the Indians are in the top three or four of, of teams. I mean, the Yankees, obviously, uh, with, with Stanton, that was, it was a no-brainer. Uh, I, I can't, in, in the National League, you know, St. Louis made some, some pretty good moves, I thought, this year. So uh, does one team stand out for you? Uh, I, I thought the Yankees had an excellent offseason, except for the fact that they didn't get any pitching. And I agree with you. I thought St. Louis did a pretty good job. The thing that surprises me, Mark, is a lot of people say Mike Matheny's on the hot seat with the Cardinals. Well, he only had one season where they didn't make the playoffs. That's that's a good situation when you, your fan base is so spoiled because you've had so much success. But uh, they expect to win in St. Louis. And Reds fans are too easy on management. I've said that for a long time. And so is the press. Uh, the press takes it, takes it really easy on, on the Reds. Where I'm, su- and, uh, where I'm surprised, Mark, is Philadelphia. I'm surprised they opened yeah. up their pocketbooks the way that they did with the team that they've got to get Santana and Arietta. Those two guys are not going to put them over the hump in that division. I don't know. They, they, that team can hit. And what I'm unclear about is what the Mets are going to do. Uh, on paper, they have a really good staff. But that, that staff fell apart. And who's the right-hander who was who's always hurt? Matt Harvey. Um, yeah, Matt Harvey. Uh, I have not heard how his spring training went. But, uh, you know, this guy is, has been hurt a lot. And who knows what's going to happen with that team. And that, they, they were supposed to compete last year. And they, they were in last place most of the year. Yeah. Derek Jeter has taken over operations of the Miami Marlins. Can baseball survive in Miami anymore? I don't know. This is what the third time that they've gutted a team. And if I was a Miami Marlins fan, I'd never go to another team. I, honestly, I wouldn't. I'd, I'd be so ticked off what they've done to that organization. So maybe he'll bring some stability, but you can't have the roller coaster year after year. I mean, you never know. I mean, they got they got rid of a, you know three or four all stars the last yeah. two years. I, I could. Yeah, we. Yelich, Stanton. I, all of them. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, we forgot about Milwaukee. Milwaukee's really added to that team this year. Oh, they have, yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's a good team, and that's going to make it tougher on the Reds. I mean, uh, Pittsburgh obviously has waved the white flag. Uh, I think they're, they're going to start the major rebuild. And they face the same problems the Reds do, but. You know, again, I, I just don't think the, the Philadelphia fans are an example. Uh, they weren't going to tolerate continual losing. I mean, don't forget this team won the World Series not that long ago. And they're, they're back. I mean, I think, I think the Phillies are a team to be reckoned with in the East. And uh, I've, got, I've got them above the Mets right now. You know, let's not forget about what the San Francisco Giants did, too. That's true. And, again, an, an organization that's used to winning. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's uh, the Panda. You know, he's back with San Francisco. Have you seen him recently? No. Has he lost he's weight? Really, oh, my God. I bet mean, he's lost 40 pounds. Wow. 
Yeah, he's really slimmed down. I mean, he's never going to be skinny, but uh, he, he was he was pretty chunky there for a while. Mark, Chipper Jones and Jim Tomey, along with two others, making it into the Hall of Fame. I, I agree with Jones. I agree with Tomey. You know who I who else I thought should have made it. I won't go into details about Omar Vizquel tonight because we're running out of time, and if I get started on it, it'll take me ten minutes to quit talking about it. But I thought Guerrero. I thought Guerrero should have gone in. And I, I tend to agree with you on that one. But Chipper Jones and Jim Tomey were absolute slam dunks. Yeah, I agree. You know, not, you can't you can't complain about either one of them, even though you and I do agree that it's not a Hall of Fame until Pete Rose is in it. Or Barry Bonds. Yeah, that's true. And, and I'm, I really like Vlad Guerrero because I met him at Wrigley Field. And he took batting practice with our team when we were there playing. And he used a metal bat. And David, it, it looked like somebody hitting a, a two-iron and it was just unbelievable how far this guy could hit a baseball with a metal bat. It was just frightening. But he, he was, I thought, the best hitter in baseball for a long time, and nobody recognized Well, as we get into the schedules, as we round out tonight's initial program for the 2018 season, Mark, it, it's sad to say, but Dusty Baker is not going to be on the field this year for any team in baseball. Yeah, he had a sh- shot. I mean, Washington should have won it. I mean, they had the best team in baseball. And I thought that, I thought last year there was a point in time where they had the best team in baseball. They had great pitching. They had unbelievable hitting. And that was a frightening lineup. And he, and he couldn't pull it off. And had he pulled it off, he would, he'd be there for the next four or five years. Yeah. But, you know, he, he just didn't. And, and Sparky, or Sparky, uh, Dusty, I liked personally. He's a good guy. But he's never been able to pull it off. That's been his weakness. And the thing about it is they hired Dave Martinez, who has been Joe Madden's bench coach for years, all the way back to Tampa Bay and with the Cubs. Dave Martinez is finally getting his opportunity to manage a Major League Baseball team. I got a feeling this guy is going to be a pretty good manager. I think he's going to be an outstanding manager. I really do. I think he's going to be, and this could be like Sparky Anderson taking over the 1970 <laughs> Reds. <laughs> coming at the right time and everything gels. But look at that lineup for Washington, Dave. That is that is a scary lineup. Yeah. I, I think that's more scary than the Yankee lineup. Yeah, yeah, I I agree with you. The, the, the Nationals have got a lot going for them, but... They've got to learn how to get over the hump. It's not just Dusty Baker's fault. It, it, they just couldn't get over the hump the last three years. That's right. You know, That's so a lot of talent. So the Reds open up with the Nationals on Thursday. Then they get Friday as a rain day, just in case. And then they play on Saturday or Sunday. You going to any of those games? No, I'm going to be in Houston at that time. And from the forecast I saw, uh, it's, you're going to be lucky to get those games in because it's going to be kind of cold and rainy, 70% chance of rain on Thursday, uh, and temperatures in the 50s, so that's not a great opening day. No, no, it absolutely isn't. Then they've got the Cubs on Monday and Tuesday. The Indians this week, they're opening up on Thursday night. No chance of a rain out there. They're in Seattle under the dome. So they're going to play Thursday night at 10-10 in Seattle, and then Saturday and Sunday at 4-10 in Seattle. Then they go to, to Los Angeles to take on the Angels, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. The Wednesday game will be in the afternoon at 4 o'clock, so it's going to be a lot of late nights for me to open up this baseball season, Mark. But, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense to me, though, that they're taking Cleveland out of Cleveland uh, early in the year and, and getting them where they can play. Yeah. Uh, give, give the weather a chance to get better. Our prediction show is next week. Are you ready for it? I don't know, Dave. Uh, <laughs> you know, the, the, the clamor from our fans, you uh, Yeah, we were. We were both pretty accurate. So we'll talk to you again next uh, Monday night, Mark, at 9 o'clock, and have fun down in Houston. Have a good one, Dave. All right. That's going to do it for tonight's program. Thanks for joining us here on the initial show of the Ohio Baseball Weekly Program here on UltimateSportsTalk.com. Glad to have you along with us here this evening. 
We'll be back again next Monday night at 9 o'clock with another Ohio Baseball Weekly show. Until then, for Mark Donahue, I'm Dave Mitchell. Have a good night, everybody.